everybody. It's Rob Benedict. And I'm Richard Spate. And we're talking about Supernatural Season 3, Episode 10. Robbie, this is not the title of the episode. It's just something I want to say to you. Would you do me a solid and dream a little dream of me? <laughs> Done. Now, what's the title of the episode? Ah, uh, you. <laughs> dream a little fist in your face. Um, <laughs> um, dream a little dream of me is the name of the episode. Ah. But before we get into it, I want to ask you to do me a favor. Would you ever? I got real creepy for a second. Will you follow us on Instagram and Twitter for a second? <laughs> At SPN then and now. Hey, get a little closer to the speaker, would you? Hey, do I want you to. Uh... <laughs> no, please follow us on follow us on Instagram or Twitter. That's where we are. At SPN then and now. There I said it. Yeah, man. About time. Now it's time for the summary. This is where Rob Benedict free forms a description of the episode from memory. Robbie? Bobby's attacked by a woman in a dream. Wow. While sleeping, a maid from the motel he's at is unable to wake him. So once they get the message to Sam and Dean, they rush to the hotel. But by the time they get there, he's in a hospital in a coma. Please, quick side note to any uh, maids who might clean up my room. Please don't try to wake me up like that woman tried to wake Bobby up, by like yeah. <laughs> violently shaking him. And by the way, I'm not exactly sure what she saw in Bobby's sort of still figure that made him think he was not just asleep. That seemed very uh, brazen on her part to go over <laughs> there and give the man brazen. a shake. Yeah, it, it, it was, she was, she was operating at a cold open pace, <laughs> you know, but save it for the review, save it for the review. Okay. So there he's in a, in a hospital, he's in a coma. The doctor tells the brothers, he doesn't know why it happened or what's causing it. Bobby, He's just in a coma. So he starts dreaming about his wife and we discover that he's possessed by a demon and that Bobby had to kill his wife in self-defense. So this is actually a nightmare. Oh no, that's not good. Yeah. So the brothers discovered Jeremy. There's Jeremy. I discovered him. Ha ha. I can uh, claim Jeremy. And I'll call him Jeremy. A college student who is unable to dream due to a childhood trauma from a physically abusive father. He was given an experimental drug that allows him to enter other people's dreams. If he huh. kills you in your dream, you die in real life. Bummer. Like the movie Dreamscape. Sam and Dean find out that Bobby was investigating Jeremy and the doctor that gave him the drug. The brothers try to fig figure out how to get some of this route so they can confront Jeremy and possibly save Bobby. They contact Bella for help. She shows up to the brothers' motel room. It's Bella. Boy, oh boy, what a hot oh. scene this was. She wakes Sam up. He happens to be having a dirty dream. <laughs> She's not wearing much. And so they go onto the bed and they're kissing and stuff's happening. And then boom, he comes, he wakes up. But, but guess what? Then what? she really comes in the room. It's no what? dream. It's Bella. Know. And she's brought them some of that magical root. The brothers put in, put it in a motel safe next to the cult. Once Bella leaves Sam and Dean, they ingest the root and go to sleep. They're able to enter Bobby's dream and tell him to wake up. However, while there, they encounter Jeremy, who now wants them all dead. They discovered him. <laughs> the boys can't find Jeremy in the real world. Then they try to stay awake, but Dean eventually falls asleep. Sam takes some of the magical roots so that he can enter Dean's dream. Sam finds Jeremy, but Jeremy gets the upper hand and is able to tie Sam to the ground. Jeremy proceeds to beat him with a baseball bat. Sam focuses and is able to control dreams too. He manifests himself as Jeremy's father. This creates a distraction long enough for Sam to break free and beat Jeremy to death with the bat. Meanwhile, Dean is dreaming and he's being confronted by a demon version of himself. That's right. It's Dean versus Dean. And the demon Dean chastises- Hold on. It's not demon Dean. It's Deanman. Ah, uh, right. It's a Deanman. It's a Deanman. 
So the de- demon Dean, or the Deanman, <laughs> chastises him and tells him he's only a good little soldier and this is what he is doomed to become. After Sam kills Jeremy, both of the brothers wake up in the Impala. The brothers eventually make it back to the motel room to discover that Bella has stolen the colt. Damn that Bella, every time. Dean tells Sam he doesn't want to die and go to hell. And that's all Sam wanted to hear. I can tell you something. Yeah. I understand this episode less after hearing that summary. (laughs) That was confusing. I had a hard time. I'm not sure your performance was up to snuff there, Robbie. I got lost a couple of times. I got lost. And I was reading it. (laughs) Oh, man. Anyway, it was time for R-R-R. Rob and Rich Review. I liked it. I liked it. Well, I know you like that Bella. Yeah, I do. But more than that. Literally, the whole time that dream sequence was happening with Sam and Bella, I thought, oh, boy, Robbie's (laughs) shifting uncomfortably during this whole sequence. I'm glad I'm not there with him. Gross. To hear his, uh, so, his, Rob will suddenly start breathing loudly through his nose. Well, and like, I, started, I need to hear I, that. I started thinking, now maybe Rich will come around about Bella. But I nevertheless, here we are. But more importantly, you know, I love what's going on. With, I love the I love this idea. That, that movie I referenced, it's, I think it's called Dreamscape, was one of my favorite movies growing up. I just love that concept that you could go into other people's dreams that, or inception, you know, that there's dreams are something you can go in and manipulate. And I love getting this backstory from Bobby about his wife, which I was like, did I know this? Um, turns out I don't think we did. This is new information right? Um, about his wife and he, he had to kill her. You know, then the whole thing, then about Dean's dream when finally, uh, you know, Dean has to confront himself and finally comes around about this idea that he's going to die at the end of this season. Yeah, man. A lot going on. A lot of moving parts. I thought it was okay. I didn't love this episode. Okay. I thought the Jim Beaver storyline was super cool. The Jim was acted his face off, and I thought stylistically it was great. I thought Steve Boyum crushed it. Just I, I enjoyed it, but I didn't love it. So like it's it's a good one for me, not a great one. And I think honestly, where it was exciting, it was exciting. And then there's some conversations that I just felt like just went on and on and on and on and on. But I thought the dream stuff was like the the jumping between the dream and reality stuff was great. Um, yeah. I think, and uh, yeah, I wasn't as interested in the Jeremy story as much as I was the Jim story and then the Dean versus himself story, which I thought that was a really good scene. I did think it was cool the way Jared Kip brought the dad back. That was an interesting way. Was, it was, to, it was, that was. But cool. I, I also then felt bad for that kid. Here's a kid who literally did get hit by his dad at a, yeah. with a baseball bat. True. And then w- they bring back his dad to beat him up with a baseball bat in his dreams. I mean, it was pretty brutal. <laughs> yeah, that was brutal. Stark. Um, um, I have yeah. written here in my notes. My notes came back with my notes this time. Oh God! First, the notes. The first note. Ah, uh, yeah, you know of, what, Trey, buddy, buddy, put a, put some like sound effects of like dogs barking and thunder and lightning. His rough notes are back. Rob's notes. Rob's notes. Arf, 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 arf. Dean's zit. The performance of Dean Zitt, there's a hospital scene where Dean's got like a black head or something that, that's covered up. And in my HD iPod, iPad, I really could see it very clearly that Dean's got like a black head or something with makeup over it. Dean or, J- or Jensen? Jensen Ackles. You saw his, a, a blemish on Jensen Ackles' skin. Yeah, and, and I just wanted to give props out to the performance of that blemish. Or a zit, we would call it back in my hood. Back in your day. The other I wrote is Sam's the smart one. I just love that we keep sort of like really hammering on the fact that Sam's the college kid. And it just dawned on me, like Sam's always the one that comes in and goes, all right, I've been doing the research. Turns out there's a flower 
You know, it's called the yeah. Scrooter. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sam's the wrong. Sam's the bookie one, and Dean's kind of like he's street smart. He's street smart, exactly. Street street smart versus book smart. But yeah. in those moments when <laughs> it's always like Sam going like, "Hey, I found this root." He's like, so what? I eat a root, then all of a sudden I'm like this. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's kind of like and Sam to like, set well, up the exposition. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, Dean, you got to put one of Bobby's hairs in there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, my last, my last note. I wonder if this was made before or after Inception. I think I don't know yet. I can't remember when. I think this is after. Did you know that it was not a hair on Bobby's head, but a chest hair that they were consuming? No. Yeah. Where'd you get that from? I just sensed it in watching <laughs> the episode. Okay. Just well, felt like a chest hair. All right. Well, I uh, I am going to give it not as good a sounds as, as you, but uh, I'm going to give it- Not as good a sounds? What do you mean? You, you, I, it I, sounds I, like I'm not going to be giving this as good of a review as you are going uh, to. Oh, I think you'd be surprised, but go ahead. Well, Evan. okay. It, it's really good. So what would that be? If it's not perfect, but it's really good. Uh, it's like a Loggins- Logan's early seventies. Early uh, no, 70s no. Like. I think I think you got to steer clear of the seventies. Guess when Logan's sixties. Logan's yeah, uh, no eighties is when he had that like cheesy sort of. You yeah, know. but this. Yeah, I guess so. Okay, I'll do eighties Logan's Top Gun era Logan's. Well, you could go like Randy Owens from Alabama Beard, you know, or you could switch it up, you know. For I could who it is. if I knew who um, that was, but I'm gonna <laughs> stick with Logan's eighties Logan's Top Gun era. It's just maybe. Uh, so you, you, you get the danger zone beard. Danger zone beard, exactly. A little too glossy, but I really liked it. I really do like it. Still Loggins, man. And he's a home run. Still Loggins. I feel like you're. Bella in her skivvies is a A plus to you, regardless of the episode. It got, it did get bonus points. I literally could see you. I was in an airplane watching this, and I could almost see you in the distance, the roof shuddering in your house. Okay. I am going to give this. I'm going to give this one, Rob. It's it, no, I'm not going to beat it on the bush here. I'm just going to come right out and say it. This one gets from me in the facial hair category of ratings as we use here on the podcast, Supernatural Then and Now, where we eschew the traditional five-star rating and go with beard growth and facial hair growth as our measuring metric, if you will, for judging, analyzing, and doling out reviews. This is the review I'm giving it in facial hair form. Okay, Are you ready? Yeah. I hope they're listening to the podcast on that like <laughs> times two speed. Well, I'm right now, I was dragging that out because I needed my hair to grow a little longer on my beard. And oh. now, poof, I'm giving it a me. Ah, right now. you're giving it a you. Right now. I've got a nice kind of even growth okay. beard. Nice full. Look, that's a full mustache, Rob. Right? Okay. So, there you go. Uh, kind of full, kind of whatever. And then- so but you, it gets. But you. So what you're saying is you didn't love your beard. You don't love. No, this your is not. Beard. This is beard. Cause it's kind of look. It's not perfect here. I don't right. have. A lot, I have a kind of a bald spot in the top of my chin. Some right. gray patches. It's yeah. not perfect. It's all right looking. I can go. Okay. Can I go out on the town? Sure. Okay. You know what I mean. Okay. But I'm going to go with. Uh, and it, not just rich spate beard any day. Rich spate beard as of March 1, 2023. This moment. This time. This. This podcast. Okay. Great. So you got you got a danger zone logins and a March. First, 2023, Rich Spate. Happy birthday, Jensen Ackles. Take your exactly. It's my Jensen. It's my Jensen Ackles birthday beard. It's an homage to Jensen. That's right. In beard form. Yes. Okay. On me. Very good. Very good. Um, well, you know what? We got to get on to our interview now because we have waiting in the lobby 
what a coincidence, it's our very own Jim Beaver. All right, well, we are just delighted to have with us uh, once again, I think you're kind of the heart of the show. It's Jim Beaver, everybody. Bobby Singer. Hello. Um, I really do think that your, you know, your role is so key in this show and you're such a father figure to them. You're like, you're one of the few people that's actually good to these boys. Yeah, well, it's a hard job. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you want to be, uh, <laughs> you want to be angry with them, but. I guess I'm up for it, though. Yeah. That's, uh, it's a pretty, it's a pretty great character to have gotten to play. Yeah. Except for a few sore heads out there. Pretty much everybody likes Bobby. And yeah, uh, yeah. there's a connection that the character has with the fans, I think, that is uh, really strong and very personal to a lot of people. Yeah, what you represent. Yeah, I think it's uh, a slot in the family dynamic that a lot of people are looking for something they can relate to. Yeah, uh, it's it's a bit of normalcy. I mean, it's normal. And it's, yeah. it's, you know, fictionally, it's it's normalcy for the boys. But, you know, watching the show, you're just like, this is the voice of reason. You know, you're the one who's a lot of time going, you know, Sam, get a hold of yourself, you know, or yeah. Dean, get a hold of yourself. But in this episode, this is such a great episode for you. You're really the one who's teetering because you've been trapped in this dreamscape. Yeah. You remember dream I, uh, a little dream a little dream. Yeah, I vaguely remember that. You're one. you're trapped in a dream dream world. Yeah. Where your wife is is come back as sort of a ghost and is haunting you. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, I no, I I I do remember the episode. Right. Just, uh, <laughs> so you're in a coma at the beginning of the episode. Remember that? I'm in a coma at the beginning of most episodes. <laughs> Well, in the oh, you're talking about Bobby. Yeah, yeah, yeah Bobby. Bobby. Sorry. Okay. And the yeah. rumor, rumor we heard is that uh, Jared was twisting your toes during one of the coma scenes. This is the first episode in which that happened. It would not be the last. Because <laughs> um, you are in, you're right, you're in a medical bed quite a bit. Yeah, I he, he twisted my toes during my dramatic bed scenes all the way up until my freaking death. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> This is why it's and, a hard uh, job. And the mistake I made on this episode was that uh, I didn't break. That's amazing. I just, I pushed through the scenes and got through them and I didn't break. And thus I created a challenge for Jared. <laughs> right, which, exactly. Uh, which, uh, which lasted for the next 15 years. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I should have just, I should have just broken character and yelled, and let let him get it out of his system, but uh, so it became a joust match. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you know, it was well. You know, the big giant moose at one end of the table of uh, the bed, and, <laughs> and the uh, and the thorough professional at the other end. Uh, no, no need to guess who's who. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been on the show for a while now, but we finally get a big puzzle uh, in terms of your backstory that you have this wife. Yeah. That's, that, I think this is the first episode where we've seen that. That Yeah, I think it's the first time uh, that it was mentioned because I recall getting the script and and uh, going, oh, I've got a dead wife. Right. And that you had that you had to put her down, that she must have gotten possessed by something. Yeah. I've lost track of what she got possessed by, but I think back, you know, this is early enough in the show. I think people just got possessed by demons. <laughs> it yeah. wasn't necessarily subcategories. 
Yeah. So that was a wild, you know, I always, I always like when I'm on something and they say, like, if you're a series regular on something and then they're like, Hey, you're, you've got a girlfriend or you have a partner or something and we're yeah. going to, so they have to cast them based on right. who do you think, you know, yeah. would marry this bozo? <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's always the question with me. And I'm uh, always, I'm always impressed. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, yeah, it was, I remember reading the script and thinking, Oh good. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to have scenes with, my wife, but it, it really was pretty much just getting jumped on and beat up. Yeah. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot of interaction dialogue. Yeah. Does yeah she, how you been? Uh, yeah. <laughs> now, does she, does she return ever? Yeah. Different actress. Oh, really? But, uh, yeah. Oh, interesting. The character of Karen Singer came back in two, in, came back in among other things, the episode I thought we were talking about today. <laughs> uh, so I had, in, in this, in Dream a Little Dream of Me, we established that uh, not only did my wife get possessed by a demon, but I had to kill her. Right, right, wow. And then um, a few seasons later in um, Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid, she came back and um, she was sort of, zombie mm. and we got to have those kind of dramatic and emotional scenes together yeah and then i killed her again uh, <laughs> oh no so uh and then um and then she came back in my uh big semi swan song in uh season seven uh death's door mm. and we had some really great scenes in that but carrie ann fleming played karen in the subsequent episode. i see okay and, uh, i'm excited to see that yeah, yeah, she's really good in them. She's really good, and I, uh, I had, I had such a good time working with her, and we've, we've remained very close friends. Oh, that's uh, cool. Then. But back to this one. Yeah, so she, this one, you didn't have interact with really so much as you're just she's clawing at the door and yeah, pounding and, and screaming, um, and then it's, uh, you know, I, I remember bits and pieces of the episode, but they mainly have to do with either running from her or hiding from her or uh, getting jumped on by her. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and um, the rest of the plot kind of escapes me. At this well, point. so then you're in a, you, you're, so you're, there's a great moment where Dean is like, you're, says to you, you're like a father to me. And we hear the wife screaming and pounding on the, uh, you know, in, yeah. the, in the sound design. I, I'm not sure yeah. if it was there. What were you, what were, were you reacted to on stage? And that you're like um, holding the door back. I think it was probably Harvey trying to bust in the door. Right. The guys were, uh, <laughs> you know, it was just, it was just crew guys on the other side. Yeah. 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 You know, the, a lot of the sound design was laid in later. Yeah. Of course. But, uh, you know, they had somebody out there shaking the door. And, yeah. And uh, guess what, folks? That this stuff is make believe. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, Sorry to ruin it for you. But, uh, now, at this point, you've, you've played Bobby, Bobby a lot. At what point did you feel, comfortable saying, I don't think Bobby would do it this way. You know, you're getting to the point where you know Bobby better than the guest directors that come in. Well, I don't know that I ever, ever did that, that comfortable saying it. My, I, I've always approached it that this show belongs to the writers that they, that, that what they write is it's my job to interpret. Right. And, uh, but I can't really remember ever having a moment where I thought Bobby wouldn't do this. Right. They also wrote for you really, really well. They always had a really good handle on yeah. your way of speaking. Yeah. And it happens that way on, on some shows uh, where the writers are good and where they're paying attention. Mm -hmm. They begin to, to sort of pick up on your rhythms mm -hmm. and, and little bits and pieces of you 
start showing up in the character mm-hmm. and sometimes vice versa. But yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. The only time I ever recall quibbling at all with what they handed me to play was two items that I am humiliated to admit I fought against. And that was the words idget and balls. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> Until like two of your more famous things. I thought, really? You really think this guy would say this? <laughs> I, I, you're going to make me say, and they said, you want your paycheck? And I said, yeah, I do. And so, and I just, I never expected, I never expected the fans to even like that I was saying those words. Right. I just thought they sounded dumb. Yeah. But boy, was I wrong. <laughs> it became endearing. And now people have it on t-shirts yeah. and hats. And yeah, you know, it's, it's, your, um, it's your catchphrase. You know, if it had been up to me, my catchphrase probably would have been something stupid. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> something that an it, idiot might stay, might say. Yeah, something an idiot might say. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was uh, the set that you had was the, in your dreamscape. It's it's your house. It's kind of cleaned up. Yeah. Takes them a minute to realize it's your house. Was that a standing set? Bobby's house in season three? Bobby's house was a standing set. Yeah. It was. Yeah. It was um, once they uh, made the uh, horrendous decision to burn it down, uh, they built the Men of Letters on top of it. Oh, okay. Uh, so the Men of Letters set is was on the same spot in the soundstage that uh, Bobby's house had been. Oh, wow. But yeah, it was a standing set. It shifted a little bit. Right. I think the first couple of seasons, the kitchen was a lot different. Uh, not a whole lot different, but, you know, the, every once in a while, rooms would show up that hadn't been there before. Yeah, yeah. I don't think we ever saw that closet again. Hmm. How interesting. Yeah, where your safe was. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it was basically a standing set. And uh, once they had a standing set for Bobby's house, I figured I was probably going to be around for a while. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good sign. But um, Or at least somebody would be playing Bobby for a while. (laughs) Yeah, I, uh, it's weird because, you know, it was just a set. It didn't, it wasn't a real house, but it it really felt bad when they tore it down. Yeah, man. Like, oh man, this is my place. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure now. And then later, when you w- walked on the Men of Letters set, you're like, ah, oh, yeah, yeah. What my, is this? Where my, yeah, this is where my house was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And of course, by the time I came back during the Men of Letters Men of Letters period, I'd been away for a while. And I didn't know what the Men of Letters was were, hmm. and I'm still not sure I know. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's... but uh, all I knew is that uh, you know somebody had torn down a house and built a McMansion there. So. <laughs> yeah, with spiral staircases and everything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's in this you know their big sequence in the big dream sequence, mm-hmm. and it's really the first time we see Bobby vulnerable and scared. Do you remember yeah. that you're really playing like you really freaked out and you don't know it's a dream? Yeah, that's always fun for me. Like when you're playing a role and it's it's this way and then they they give you another scene you're like oh, okay i haven't played this yet yeah how do i i, I gotta still make this bobby but make it bobby doing you know this that's a do you remember that sort of trans how you oh yeah yeah because up until then bobby had pretty much been the cool-headed guy with most of the answers who um wasn't very flappable right and this was uh as i recall one of the very first moments where you got to see him uh, not in full command of the situation. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of, uh, 
there was a lot of yelling and screaming and uh yeah i mean not not on a level of jensen screaming at a cat but <laughs> but it was uh i do remember the screaming part i remember vividly because uh we'd been shooting all day there'd been a lot of yelling and stuff and my voice was fairly raw and the last thing we shot that day was that weird camera trick with the closet the zoom in dolly out oh yeah uh, shot in the closet where i'm screaming at the top of my lungs yeah and uh, that was the last thing we shot and it was it was like gargling razor blades i was uh i was shot for the next day voice wise and we did it over and over and over thank you steve boyum <laughs> uh, wow i remember that, that. Yeah. I, that's um, it, it's a shocking thing it's like wow yeah. that's coming from jim beaver that noise <laughs> <laughs> uh i'm just glad i didn't have to go back and loop it again yeah boy yeah it was uh it, it was a very different episode a lot of the episode took place in bobby's house and yeah. so there was a lot of uh now this is season three three, three yeah it's three yeah yeah so I'm still relatively new to the show by this point because I came in at the end of season one. Yeah. And I, I think I only did two or three in season two. Mm -hmm. So I'm still yeah, still feeling a little bit like a like a, a guest actor. Yeah, right. But you've been you've been a little heavier this season and, and also you yeah. just you've also been in some real significant episodes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think also I, I can see now why, you know we all do these conventions and then we go, Oh, I've only done whatever episodes out of 320 some odd. I've, I've done 20 yeah. episodes, you know, and my friends never quite understand why anyone, you know, wants to see me, but yeah. certain guest stars, especially with the significant episodes really register yeah. with people. And that's why as how someone who's, who's watching the show, I go, Oh yeah, Bobby's in, he's got to be in damn near everyone, you know, cause you really feel like you're yeah. such a, Except I'm in, in the, but the truth is I'm I'm in, I'm only in about twenty percent of them. Yeah, yeah. But my God, the impact. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Always. Okay, guys, hold on. We're coming right back. Thanks for listening, everybody. And now back to the episode. I want to say, so Rob hopping in here, and I know Rob has, you know, asked scintillating questions, so I may have be over double dipping here, but is this the first time the boys admit you're like a dad to them? Because it, that struck me as a big moment for Jensen to say you're like a father to me. If I recall correctly, that was kind of a tonal shift there. There had been moments, and I'm not sure if they were before this or after this, but uh, uh, around that time was the first time that w Bobby kind of stopped being just this guy their father had known. And right. uh, the relationship, the longstanding and deep relationship with the boys began to be established. Right. Yeah, I, I got the sense that there was a, there was that moment in the episode where Dean's fighting Dean, mm -hmm. right? And he, and he lashes out about, don't criticize my father and the, or he, or actually said he actually criticizes his own dad. Yeah. My dad was a screw up and all this stuff. At the same time, in that same episode, he's turning to you and saying, you're like a father to me. And I just, I was listening to your answer to Rob's previous question about you felt like Bobby's impact was felt grander in this episode than in previous episodes. To me, 
that was the it seems very much by design and that seems like the root of it right there mm-hmm. right they, the characters finally you're you're now they took the bobby singer character elevated him beyond just quirky guest star of the week yeah. Yeah. and made him a more impactful player for the boys and somebody the boys can utilize as a resource blah 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 for the for the re- remainder of the show and rob's right man like you can't think supernatural without bobby singer like and i, I know you said you're only in 20 percent of them but like 20% of a million is still, <laughs> still 200,000. I yeah. mean, the show is on forever. You know what I mean? Can so you imagine the you uh, in residuals there. on 20% of a million episodes? <laughs> That'd be, that, that would be okay. I wouldn't be talking to you guys. <laughs> no, dude. We, we wouldn't we, be talking no, to you, you either. <laughs> you'd, have, you'd have way better window shades right, right behind you, like gold lame. Um, and Rob would be calling us from his boat. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it, that, that's impactful. It's crazy. You're t- I also heard you talking about that that Zolly shot, you know, yeah, the zoom yeah. dolly uh, shot at the end. One of the gags I thought was really cool in this episode, and of course it's Steve Boyum, so he's Mister, you know, cool things because yeah. he's a cool director. That was my first episode ever with Steve. I met him on that episode, and I I just loved him. Yeah, I you know P- Rob worked with him early yeah, on, yeah. right, Robbie? I did. He was uh, directing my first episode. Yeah. So, so Rob, Rob has stories. I, you know, I I didn't work with him on Supernatural, but I love his style. And he did this bit with you. And I think it's an editing gag. Uh I don't think it's a camera trick, but where you go into the, you go into the closet and I think it's an act out. Uh You go into the closet and you're, and we see your clothes and, and you're in the closet and then she's out there banging around and you flip around and the camera pulls back and now we're in this long hallway. Yeah, you know, like yeah. It, it does a little switcheroo yeah, on us yeah. in a really effective way. Yeah, yeah, unlike you guys, I don't necessarily pay a whole lot of attention to how they do this stuff. Uh, right. I just show up and try to remember some of my lines. But, you know, the, I don't remember if the script said anything about uh, an effect there or or how, how it was to be achieved or if that, you know, came straight out of Boyum's twisted head. Either way, very effective. Yeah, 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 very much so. There was a lot of style shifts in this episode. There was a lot of, you know, the dream stuff was shot very specifically yeah. with like these close, close, wide lenses, and kind of gave you guys almost a, a, you know, peephole look. You know, these are these are fourteen mil lenses and very close. You guys might have already talked about that, but I thought it was really cool. You know me, I did a lot of talk about lenses, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because yeah, that's what people want to hear about. Yeah, did they would they use a thirty on that shot? Or was that a forty five? You coming at him with a fifty two? Or um, anyway, no. Um, but yeah, also with the, with the with the editing, they, they were doing this thing, this thing with editing, where like you'd, you'd say a line and then it cut to you saying that line again, but a different take. I loved yeah. that. I thought that was so clever. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm st- I'm stuck in this room, stuck in this room. Like it's it's that kind of thing. And, and we hadn't. Yeah. And, yeah. And it's exciting on a show like this where you know we watched however many episodes we've watched, 50 episodes, and it's, you know, hadn't really seen that before. No, that was the first time we've seen that sort of yeah. editing gag. And like I say, the the elements they use to differentiate between the real world and the dream yeah. world, at some points were subtle, other points not, but each decision was done really effectively. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the even the rain going upside down, like that was just a yeah. clever gag. Yeah. You know, like they just, it was just well done. Yeah. And there was, there was a lot of, uh, as I recall, a lot of shifts in uh, subtle, but noticeable shifts in the lighting. Uh, yeah. Uh, the way Serge lit the sets for 
the reality scenes versus the dream scenes. Right. It didn't slap you in the face, but it, it, it let you know, okay, this, the, what we're watching here may not be real. Mm -hmm. Right. Or, oh, wait a minute. Are we back in real life? Yes. I, yeah, we're back in real life yes. because the look is back to real life. Yeah. Right. And, and Jerry's uh, set design uh, yes. accompanied yeah. that as well. I, um, as I recall, I could be wrong about this, but as I recall, this was the first, I think this may have been the first of the wacky motel rooms uh, sets that, that I was in that Jerry put together. You got to hand it to that guy. There were 9,000 motel rooms on yeah. this show yeah. and every one of them looked unique and yeah. uh, uh, pretty much like it looked exactly like you would be afraid an old cheap motel in Idaho would look like. Yes. Yet, I know something you could never imagine. Yeah. I kind of feel like Jerry, the untold backstory to Jerry is he spent, a, you know, many decades as a hobo. <laughs> like he did a, a, a fair, fair amount of, of cheap well, motel cheap, hop. Yeah. Motel room time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Of course, we're talking about uh, production designer, Jerry Wanick. Damn right. We are Robbie. Uh, just, yeah. just for those following along at home. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't wouldn't everybody be following well, along? Not necessarily I mean, home. <laughs> this is just for point. Hope it's not just for the three of us. <laughs> well, it was really trippy. You know, this is going to be also from the desk of the stupid. But you know, one of the things I noticed, I think it's the first time we've seen Bobby without a hat. That's true. Yeah, because it struck me you look so different when you were hatless. Like your character is like iconically wearing yeah. the baseball yeah. hat all the time. Yeah, it's. Um, uh... I don't remember specifically. Well, yeah, I'm in bed. So, yeah, I guess. Yeah, so. yeah, you're in the hospital room. Yeah. Yeah. I don't recall specifically, but I um I I always kind of cringed when they said you're not wearing a hat in this scene uh because it'd be like I'm I'm hiding as much of me as I can, guys. Uh, <laughs> They've got to see the eyes and the nose. Can we just leave it at that? Yeah, I listen. No, you, you're preaching. I have a, I have a less is more approach to anything that involves skin yeah. showing uh, and me. Yeah. I, I've, I just figure the less of me people see, the longer I'll be on the show. Yeah, keep them guessing. I say, you know, why are you always wearing hats? Because then they'd see my head. Yeah. Well, Why you wear you know, a beard? Well, then they'd see my face. Yeah. Robbie, you're but like now Robbie, you're all clean shaven and clean cut. You got really. a no hair. Really? I got no like, hair. That's why got, I'm wearing that's where I'm wearing a hat. And yeah, man. Beard. Like, oh, you're not that's a hat. Show it. Yeah, that's a hat. That's not oh, like okay. no. What'd you think I was a monk? Yeah, no. I, I thought you had your head naga hided. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, like all the kids are doing these days. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, on that note. Uh, Jim, we won't waste any more of your time. We're so happy that you came on to talk to us. And you know what's going to happen is you're going to come back and you're going to talk about the episode you thought you were going to be talking about today. Yeah. Oh, what you, would you think you were talking about? I today? thought we were talking about Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid. Oh, well, then we'll bring you back and talk to you about and that it's, one. It's an episode I'm in that my dead wife, wife is, is also in. Different so, actress. And it, and they both start with D's. So you can yeah. see how uh, a young yeah. fellow like me might get confused. <laughs> yeah. I Listen, nobody nobody gets more confused than we do. So well, good news is now we've club. got our guest for that episode. Yeah, we, exactly. <laughs> no, more, no more hunting. Yeah. And I'll, I'll just beforehand, I'll watch this episode. So I'm, I'm up to date. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Well, uh, thanks, Jim Beaver. Really appreciate you. Jim Beaver. Jim Beaver, everybody. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Pleasure to be here. Good to see you. Hope I'll see you soon. For sure. Indeed, sir. See you, buddy. 
Hey there, this is Jared Padalecki, and I hope you're enjoying the episode. But we gotta pull over for a second for some messages. Thank you for supporting Supernatural then and now. And now, back to the show. How about that, Jim Beaver? Yeah, how about it? I was hoping he was going to whip up some Frito-Lay corn chip dough in the middle of the interview, but no, nothing doing. <laughs> we should have had him uh, say, say something in Japanese. Like, hello, would you like some Fritos? Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I love Jim, and uh, what a sport he was to uh, He's the really best. not I, I love Jim. I'm, I'm not laughing at Jim. I'm laughing at you're like, how about that, Jim? Here. <laughs> he uh I, and he didn't know what episode we were talking about so it was really nice it doesn't matter you talk to jim beaver it could be it could be an episode of ncis nobody cares yeah. jim beaver he's a charmer he really is we love man's him. a journeyman with tons of personality and tons of stories it really doesn't yeah. matter what and such a, and like we said such a huge part of this show oh, such so a hard part of this show um well let's get into some of the mythology around this episode mythology mythology Okay, so dream walking, the ability to travel into one's own or another's dream in a conscious state. The the fancy word for it is onironautics. Onironautics. Well, is he One ironautics. Onironautics. <laughs> but you can say one ironautics. Oh, yeah, one ironautics. <laughs> but onironautics, okay? Only, <laughs> yeah, only oh, I got it. Only for the erotic. There you go. Wait, what? Go ahead. Dreamwalking exists. It's a different kind of dreamwalking. Dreamwalking exists in many cultures around the globe, including African, ancient Greece, pagan, Tibetan monks, and the indigenous peoples of the Americas. I feel like it probably exists in other places, like maybe your house. But sure, we'll we'll, <laughs> we'll narrow it down to those folks. Did you know that the African dream root, i.e. Celine Kipensis, is a real thing that has been used for millennia. I have tickets to see Celine Kinepsis <laughs> in Vegas. <laughs> can't God. wait. Voice like an angel, that woman. Um, <laughs> did you know that the real thing has been used for millennia by shamans in the southeastern valleys of Africa? There, it is used in various ceremonies, including mortuary rituals and three-day vision quests. It typically only affects a person while they are asleep and dreaming. Rob, I think I know what you're doing next, Burning Man. Well, I was going to say this just screams ayahuasca to me. It screams it screams Rob's next weekend. Did you let me ask you a question, maybe unrelated. Did you ever sleepwalk? No, I never have. Huh. I did one time when I was a kid. It's terrifying. I've done I've done sleep talking where like I somebody will wake me up like, "Dude, you're talking to blue streak." But I've never done the uh, sleep walking. Oh man, I don't want to hear you sleep talking. It's it's, scary. it's it's got the same inaudible diction as my waking voice, so you wouldn't know what I was saying. <laughs> But but all the anger. Oh yeah, all the rage. But half the <laughs> half the uh, audibility. Um, all right, it's time for fun facts. Fun fact, fun fact, fun fact, fun fact. The name of this episode comes from a song from 1931 that was popularized by the Mamas and the Papas. Sadly, it didn't come from the 1989 film starring Corey Feldman and Corey Haim. That's a bummer because really, it'd be nice to have that classic song on that classic film. You know what I mean? Uh, totally. You know, one Corey. Okay. But two Corys? Two Corys. Now you have yeah. my attention. But uh, And also there's an episode of Oz that also has this title. Oh, I bet that involves some kind of prison violence. Yes. Did you know that Dean uses the alias Robert Plant, who happens to be a horticulturist working in a greenhouse somewhere in middle America? Wait, what, what a coincidence. He's also the lead singer of Led Zeppelin. What? I had no idea. Yeah. 
Bobby's hospital scenes were filmed at Eagle Ridge Hospital in Port Moody, British Columbia. I like that area, but honestly, you never know if it's going to be a good time or a bad time. It's just so moody. You know what I mean? So eventually I'm like, I'm not going to go to Port Moody. I'm going to go to Port Stable. <laughs> I wish Port Moody would get some port therapy and then maybe it'd be easier to port deal with. When Dean is investigating the dead doctor's office, there is a book on the desk, The Cumulative Dream by Ring Rose. Osia Ringrose served as the set dresser on Supernatural from 2006 to 2015. Huh, you don't say. Huh. The original broadcast of this episode featured the following songs. Long Train Running by the Doobie Brothers. Finally, yeah. I didn't know that song was ever in a Supernatural episode. I didn't either. Rob and his band Loudon Swain, along with Jason Manns, have been playing Long Train Running to kick off every Sunday at every Supernatural convention for the last decade. And I yeah. had no idea that that song actually was relevant to the series until watching this episode. Me neither. And then I was like, ha, ah, of course it was. Originally, Jason Voorhees from the Friday the 13th movies was going to appear in one of Dean's dream sequences, and they were going to fight. Three days before filming, they found out they didn't have the rights. That's a bummer. Oh. Sorry, Jason Voorhees or guy who plays Jason Voorhees who would have made a nickel. Yeah. Additionally, it was going to be John Winchester browbeating Dean in the final confrontation rather than a doppelganger. Unfortunately, Jeffrey Dean Morgan was shooting Watchmen and was unavailable. Oh, that old uh, excuse. <laughs> Love to be there, guys, but I'm shooting the Watchmen. Bummer, that would have been cool. It also, interestingly, I think I think Watchmen shot down the street from Supernatural. So, oh, really? You know, too bad he couldn't huh. scoot over there. Well, this was a fun one. Really good one. Loved it. Really good. Jim Beaver anchoring an episode that had a lot of father-son themes, always a strong theme for the boys. And Jim's a, you know, a great actor, great guest on this podcast, a great guy all around, and a United States uh, Marine veteran. So, you know, yep. just a good guy. And and you get two deans. Yeah. Two deans for the price of one. Double, a little double dean action, you know what I'm saying? Double dean. Get one. You get a dean coming and one going. Dean squared. And here we are. Come to the, the end of the episode. So many, so many jokes there that we're going to leave on the table because you know why? We don't want to be canceled. And uh, we appreciate you. Thank you for listening. We do appreciate you. Listen, we, we have a Patreon. Join the Patreon. Check out all the extra gear, the live streams, uh, and all that good stuff. But heck, if you can't afford that, if that's not your thing, that's fine too, man. Just keep listening. We love having your ears on our podcast being part of what we're doing. So thank you for being here. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, you will. See you next time. This episode of Supernatural features Jared Padalecki as Sam Winchester, Jensen Ackles as Dean Winchester. Guest stars include Lauren Cohen, Tim Beaver, Elizabeth Marlowe, Cindy Sampson, and G. Michael Gray. Aw, G. G. Michael Gray. Dream a Little Dream of Me was written by Katherine Humphreys and Sarah Gamble and directed by Steve Boyum. Boyum. Editing by Anthony Pinker. Music by Jay Greska. Executive produced by Eric Kripke and Robert Singer. The original broadcast of this episode featured the following songs. Long Train Running by the Doobie Brothers. It also featured Dream a Little Dream of Me by Mama Cass Elliot. This episode originally aired on February 7th, 2008. This episode of Supernatural Then and Now was hosted and executive produced by Richard Spade Jr. and Rob Benedict. Produced by Stephen Hine. Written by Stephen Hine and Hayda Holsher. And edited and associate produced by Trey Booty. What's up, Booty? Music provided by Tim Wynn. The episode was recorded with the help of Sonic Fuel Studios. This podcast is from Story Mill Media. Follow the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at SPN Then and Now. And become a member of the podcast at patreon.com slash SPN Then and Now. Let's. 
Ladies and gentlemen, we have a guest, as we often do here on the podcast. And I'm not going to tell you who this person is. I want Rob to guess because I have some great fun facts based on rock solid evidence and research. Rob, I'm going to tell you all these things about our guest. I want you to see if you can tell me who it is. You ready? Okay. He's fluent in Japanese. Jim Beaver. <clears throat> I'll give you another guess. He was a classmate of Frank Beard, the drummer from ZZ Top. Jim Beaver? Hold on now. He worked as a corn chip dough mixer for Frito-Lay. It's got to be Jim Beaver. Man, you are not even close. I'll give you one final guess. Okay. His full name is James Norman Beaver Jr. Um, Mark Pellegrino? Thank you. Yes. <laughs> this podcast is a story for me. Damn it. I keep looking away. <laughs> Music provided. Wait, I lost it. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> uh, Sam and Dean find out that Bobby was investigating Jeremy and the doctor that gave him the drug. Well, isn't it really more like the movie Friday the 13th? I mean, that's what Freddy Krueger's whole thing is. He's not Friday the 13th. No, sorry. Freddy Krueger. The Nightmare on Elm Street? Yeah, night, Nightmare on 13th Street. <laughs> no, but you said Dreamscape. I mean, don't you, isn't it really Dreamscape more of a Dreamscape is Freddy a movie Kr where you can get into other people's dreams and if they die in their dream, they die in real life. But if you, but, but the Freddy Krueger series of movies, if you die in those movies, you die in real life. It's true. It's same thing. Same, same, same uh, science. One of them has Dennis Quaid in it. Yes, that's Dreamscape, the one I okay. was talking about. But one of them has Robert England or whatever his name, England. And that's the one you were talking about, Friday the right. 13th. Friday the 13th, right. And then there's a man named Fred in both of them. That's right. The brothers try to figure out, figure out how to get some of this root, you know, the root that the doctor was going to... Look, if you... <laughs> Sam and Dean find out <laughs> while sleeping a maid from the motel... Wow, I didn't see that scene. I'm telling you, man, it's an exercise in why commas matter. Hi, everybody. It's season three, episode 10. But wait, you didn't, you didn't interrupt. Am I in this one? Yeah, you're in a good deal of it. Oh, okay. <laughs> you're dreaming, but you're there. Yeah, okay. I, <laughs> I just realized. This is this is going to make me look so much like a moron. I just realized this isn't the episode I thought we were talking about. Oh, really? <laughs> well. So, uh, yeah. Okay. I had all this stuff to talk about. Oh, man. <laughs> well, um, I can walk you through it. And, you know, it's, look, it's, <laughs> it's basically the same. It's you and the boys. Oh, Someone's no, I mean, none of what I you. say is going to make any sense anyway. So what does it matter? <laughs> Storybell Media. 